Welcome to another episode of the Swim Swam podcast. I'm Coleman Hodges, and joining us today, we have 12-time gold medalist from the 2023 World Deaf Swimming Championships, Carly Cronk. Carly, how's it going today? I'm pretty well. How are you? excited to get to talk to you about uh, your journey in swimming generally, but specifically about uh, these world championships, which I'm going to start with. Um, you went to these world championships in Buenos Aires, uh, and you won 15 medals, 12 of which were gold. You had a huge schedule. You won individual events. You were on uh, Team USA relays. So first off, just what inspired this uh, very, very big event schedule for you at this meet? Um, I wanted to go for the world record for the most amount of medals won at a world game. That technically isn't a world record, so I wanted to set one. So that led to a big event schedule. <laughs> so do you know what the most medals someone had won um at at a, at a world meet like this before you had been um the there is no record for like world so i can't actually i don't actually know that but for deaf olympics the record is 12 i believe which i tied for at my deaf olympics okay so you certainly this is the most medals at a world's meet at i'm guessing the most medals at any meet you know any international meet like this which i could be wrong but it's a it's a lot uh and then in terms of your times or or just how you wanted to perform did you have any goals in that regard i wanted to try to go for some personal best times which i did in events that i don't swim but I ended up adding a lot of time in my actual events, which was really upsetting, but I had a large load, so it wasn't like super disappointing. Yeah. And, and then just, I'm, I'm guessing this, uh, this came through in your training, but how did you handle having that many events and also maybe what came up throughout the meet, you know, it's a long meet and you're obviously swimming a lot of events, maybe what came up that, that surprised you about having that many events? Um, well, training obviously helped me handle that. Um, I train endurance, I train distance. I, I'm able to do a lot of events and maintain a speed. Um, like for me, my races were back to back. I had no cool down in between races. So like the, I swam a 400 IM and I went straight into a 200 fly with no cool down. I had about five minutes rest. It was really bad. But like in practice, I've done like a 300 IM and then like four minutes rest straight into 200 IM fast off the blocks. So like that definitely helped a lot. Um, Something that surprised me about the meet that helped me was some of the technical difficulties allowed me to get more rest. It's like um, you would think there's not going to be that many technical difficulties because um, the, mainly the technical difficulties were the strobe. 
And you would think that would not happen because it's just strobe is the main part of the meat, but it happened and it kind of made it better for, on my end because I had more rest. So <laughs> that is, um, does seem a little ironic that the strobe, the, the flashing strobe that signals you when to, when, when to start and, you know, jump in the pool off the blocks to start your race was the main technical difficulty. But as you said, that's, that's great that it worked out well for you. 400 IM into a 200 fly. I mean, can you just that I, did you have, was that your toughest double? And if so, can you take me through that? Just what was it like going back to back like that? And and how did you finish a 200 fly? It was one of my toughest doubles. I mean, on some of the nights I had four events back to back to back. Like I had a mile on one of the nights and that was like my fourth event. But 200 I am and I mean, 400 I am and 200 fly. My 400 I am, I just tried to take it out a little bit smoother. Um, the freestyle, I used it as a little bit of a cool down because I knew I wouldn't be able to do the two fly if I splinted up that freestyle. So I kind of planned my 4am accordingly. And then my two fly, my main plan was to get to the wall. I focused on my underwaters so I'd be able to use um, less arms and more legs. It seemed It seemed like this plan worked out pretty well for you, but... Man, that sounds brutal. Taking on doubles, triples, quadruples. So like you said, swimming, a lot of the toughest events that we have. Um, but again, through all of this, you were able to win 12 golds, 15 medals total. What was your favorite part of this whole experience? It was a six-day meet. You got to go to Argentina. Um, what did you enjoy the most? Um, meeting new people. Um you, there's so many teams there. There's so many people. And English is very widely taught, which um, was very nice because Germany, I got to talk to them all the time. Ukraine, we got to talk to them. Um, Britain and Australia were actually there, so that was really nice because obviously they speak English. So every single night, the, it would be a dinner table with USA, Britain, and Australia. And we would argue on how we say things. So that was just like really funny because they say like things differently. Like their sidewalk is, they call it pavement. And we're like, it's a sidewalk and we just defend each other. It's really funny. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun. And that's so cool that at the, at your international meet, like you're able to have dinner with other countries like every night. Uh, that's yeah. I, I feel like that does not happen in every uh, world's meet, you know, when, when you're kind of focusing on doing the best for your team, that's really cool. Uh, how, yeah. how big was team USA for this meet? We had three girls and four boys. So seven people total. Is that a typical size for, for our roster of this sort? Unfortunately, yes. We're not very widely known. So a lot of deaf athletes don't know about USA Swimming, so they don't join. So it was pretty sad. We usually have four girls, enough to make a relay, but this time we didn't. I gotcha. 
Um, and so I guess just springboarding off of that, um, into USA deaf swimming, um, I'm curious at how, how you've just navigated this journey. Um, you know, like you said, it's not a very, uh, it's not a very widely known thing to, to the general public. How did you get into swimming? Um, well, in swimming general, my whole family swims. I mean, my two sisters swam, my brother swam. So I just kind of followed in their footsteps and I stuck with it. Um, USA Deaf Swimming specifically, my dad found out about them. Um, I applied when I was 12, turning 13. I didn't think I would get in, but I ended up getting in. And then I just kept applying every single time they would, a meet would come up. And when you say applied, do you mean applying specifically to uh like the national team or to be on an international meet roster yes apply to like specifically go to this um to be on the roster for this team to go to that international competition mm -hmm. so how many meets have you been on or sorry have you attended uh with, with usa deaf swimming i've attended three wow two deaf world championships and one deaf olympics Congratulations. That's that that that's really cool. Uh do you were you uh competing before you started competing um in these worlds and and deaf Olympics? Yes, I've been competing since I was six. I started at Summer League and then I moved up to my now club Quad A and I've just been swimming ever since. I've competed at all levels, not just USA Deaf Swimming. I've gone to like um, Philip 66 and other meets like that. And do you find there to be a pretty big difference between those types of meets or do you feel like they're fairly similar? I guess, what are the differences you see in those meets? The differences is Philip 66 and other meets like that here in the US are much more challenging that almost all hearing people. So for me, I have to advocate for myself a little bit more and make sure that the strobe is working, make sure that the official knows what they're doing. Whereas if I'm at an international meet, I just kind of relax because everyone is there is deaf. Everyone needs a light. Everyone needs an official's hand signals. So it's just more relaxing at an international meet Whereas domestic is more like I have to advocate. Mm -hmm. And I just in general, what do you what what kind of a role do you feel swimming plays in your life? You know, I, I swam all through high school, and it was a big part of my identity. Uh, do you, do you feel similarly about your swimming? And obviously, you have big goals. You just <laughs> you just won uh, fifteen medals at this uh, most recent worlds. Um, where do you feel like swimming fits into your day-to-day -day life? Swimming is almost my whole life. My friend group is swimmers. Um, I go to practice pretty much four hours a day. Um, I'm just always at the pool. Swimming is just me. When I'm at school, I do have like non-swimmer friends and that's nice to not be able to talk, not have to talk about swimming, but somehow swimming always ends up in the conversation. So swimming is always brought up. 
Uh, and did I mean, did you ever play other sports? I mean, I know you mentioned your family, uh, your siblings also swam. Um, but did did you take to swimming immediately, or, or did it take a while for you to really get into it and love it? It took me a while. I did soccer from like seven to twelve, and I honestly I thought I was gonna stick with soccer and quit swimming. So when I was twelve. I was doing both soccer and swimming, which it's a lot to be able to, to have to do that. I would go from swimming practice, get in the car, eat my dinner, and go to soccer practice. So it was just really difficult. So I and I eventually had to make a um, choice. Do I pick swimming? Do I pick soccer? Um, I think the reason why I picked swimming was because my friends. I went to TAGS, Texas Age Group Championships, and that was like the turning point. That's when I quit soccer because my friends showed me the love for swimming. Because originally, I didn't love it. But when you find the right people, you just end up loving it. Were you always a distance swimmer? Unfortunately. <laughs> yes. I, I did the 500 and the mile all the time. It's hard to find the love for distance swimming. I would, I would think I wasn't a distance swimmer, but uh, yeah, I would think it's hard. But then once you do, you know, it's, it's a, it's a strong bond, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely difficult. I mean, 500 feet is one of the races where I'm like, I still don't love it, but I'm getting there. It just takes time and endurance to be able you have to keep doing it if you just give up you're never gonna love it yeah what what has been one of your biggest challenges just as an athlete you know kind of once you committed to to swimming you said okay I'm done with soccer uh what's been one of your biggest challenges you know just as a distance swimmer as a deaf athlete however you want to take that but what what how has the pool challenged you since then um it challenged me to be more vocal about what i need i used to always be like i can figure it out on my own like i'm not going to ask people for help whereas now i have to ask people for help i have to ask for the officials to do hand signals i have to ask for people to put out the strobe early so i know it's working it's just a lot of communication which i'm before I was like not really used to. I was like I was independent. I would do it on my own. I didn't want to bother people. But so that's been a challenge I've had to overcome to be able to communicate and advocate for myself. And uh, do you feel do you feel that that that's rewarded you? I mean, do you do you feel much more comfortable now um, in these swim meet scenarios where you are able to communicate and? I'm guessing you feel a little more comfortable with that communication. Yeah, I definitely do. Once I've communicated, it's kind of like weight taken off my shoulders. Like the officials know who I am. They're going to help me. Um, the, the light's going to work. Like it made the um, meat, it makes the meats run smoother for me and I'm less stressed. Yeah. Do you have, for, for anyone who is in, your shoes at a swim meet, um, or just generally in life, you know, do you have advice for them about 
how to properly communicate your needs or how to go about that process or start that process? Yeah, so if you had a swimming, go up to the starters before the meet and go up to them, introduce yourself, say, hey, I'm deaf or I'm hard of hearing. Um, I need the hand signals. And you can go over the hand signals with them. That's what I do before every meet. Um, me and my coach walk up to the starter and we make sure that they know how to do the hand signals and that I know what they're going to do because some officials do them differently. You just have to like be proactive and go ahead and act them. And then while you're also up there, make sure that the light, that they have it and that they've tested it out. You just have to tell them because sometimes they don't know. Um, also ask them to put it out early so when you go up to your race, you're not like freaking out, running everywhere. Where's the light? Have them put it out early. That's that's great advice, and that also seems fairly simple. Uh, way a few fairly simple ways, uh, to get what you need, like you said, which is really great. Um, yeah. so <laughs> as you're talking. You've got all of your world's medals behind you. You've got your Deaf Olympics medals behind you. Um, I so I'm I'm I am very curious about your experience at the Deaf Olympics because obviously that is you know the the pinnacle of of our sport is those Olympics. Um, can you tell me about that experience uh, and what it meant to you to represent USA in that way? It was a great experience. It was my first Deaf Olympics. I improved a lot from my previous international competition to where when I walked in to the pool, I wasn't expecting gold medals, which kind of sounds bad because like I got so many, but just looking back on my deaf world before deaf Olympics, I only got three medals. And then coming to Deaf Olympics, I was like, these people are going to be so fast because there's so many talented swimmers out there. But I definitely got surprised at Deaf Olympics with my own ability. And so seeing my own ability kind of made me proud of myself. So that was my thing about Deaf Olympics. It made me proud of myself and who I am. Yeah. Uh, can you, uh, let's let's dive into that a little more. Um can you compare the, the two meets, uh, your first Worlds versus your first Deaf Olympics? Um, yeah. 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 So my first Worlds, I was 13, just just turned 13. I was young. I That's when I just quit soccer and I did swimming full time. So I... Didn't know what to expect. I was honestly terrified. I was the youngest person on Team USA. And so everything was a learning experience from just the actual, like, strobes. I've never seen a strobe like that. So the strobes have three different lights. A red, meaning get up on the blocks. A yellow, meaning take your mic. And a green, meaning go. Never seen that before. So that was... a learning curve to know how to do that whereas the olympics i've seen it before i know what i'm going into so it's much more smoother um just being on a team like that i've never been on a team where 
no one knows each other if you have to get to know everyone. Um, so I was really scared my first deaf world of how to get to know people because sometimes I can be a little introverted. But for Deaf Olympics, I knew some people and I became more extroverted and tried to get newer people to join us. So. Uh, for your Deaf Olympics, were you 15? 16? I was 16. Okay. 16, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, that's that's really great to hear that you took so much from that experience and also that you were able to uh, be, you know, almost a, what sounds like a leader on the team, uh, certainly in medals, if, if not also just uh, in spirit and culturally as a 16 year old, which is really cool. Uh, so it, it sounds like a really great experience. Where was your Deaf Olympics? It was in Texas to Seoul, Brazil. <laughs> And what was it like just getting getting that travel experience and, and seeing that place? It was really nice. I mean, Brazil is beautiful, but it also has some parts where it's way different than America. And it just like opens your eyes more to what, how other people live. The actual travel experience was kind of funny because this was at the time where planes kept getting delayed and canceled. So I remember we landed in Sao Paulo and we started sprinting from one side of the airport to the neck just to make our flight. We ended up missing it, but that was just like really funny. Just running through the airport, like we became track stars. We were running with all of our luggages and it was really funny. That's one main part I remember because that kind of grew us closer together of just we we had to we had a struggle and we worked together to try to fix it but it didn't really work but it's okay when was the next flight out the next morning so we had to find a, a hotel to sleep in yeah and uh I mean I I feel like that's Kind of a typical travel thing you know it rarely do things go as expected and uh, when they do it's great and when it when not you know you figure things out and when you're with a group of people usually it kind of brings you closer together uh yeah yeah which which is which seems like a good benefit um so that's that's a really cool experience to hear your perspective on um and uh circling um, back to poo to challenges. We, we sorry, I, I brought us off of this topic. Um, I'm curious what resources that you have found valuable um, throughout your swimming and and as a deaf athlete um, that you might want to bring to light to others who are curious. Um, one thing would be AG Bell. They um, connect you with professionals that can help you. They just kind of. Uh, walk you through like the deaf world, deaf world and help you um, see that people can, deaf people can hear, hear if they want to, they can speak, they can talk, they don't have a limit. And it's just, it raises awareness for us and that helps other deaf people and maybe deaf um, hearing parents that have a deaf child and they need help knowing what 
what their life's going to look like. AD Bio just helps them through that. It just raises awareness. And once again, that's <clears throat> AG Bell. You can you yes. can visit them at agbell.org. That's A-G-B-E-L-L.org. Um, the first step in living a life without limits. Uh I you know, that's one thing that um I think you've said a few times, and um I know Marjorie uh who reached out to me about this interview has mentioned as well. Um, how how do you feel like you've adopted that mantra of living a life without limits? Um, for me, I've just never limited myself. If I want to do something, I will do it. I mean, what's stopping me? I I'm fully able to do anything. I may not have my hearing, but I can just take out my hearing aids and read people's lips if I need to. Like if there's something where Maybe it's not safe for my hearing aids to go, like water. I can't take my hearing aids in the water. I'll take them out. I have a support system that will help me if I can't understand something. But just I, if I want to do something, I will do it. And speaking of which, uh, you've got you've got big goals and and big things coming up in your future. So I want to transition to that. Uh, you're you're shooting for the 2028. Olympics. Um, when did that become a goal for you? Um, so I never thought I'd be at this point, but two summers ago, I got my Olympic trials cut in the two, in the four hundred. I am in the two hundred five, which I dropped. I think seven seconds of my two fly in one meet to get that cut. So, like, it was not in my vision at all. But now that it is, like, I'm just excited to go to trials. Right now, my focus is trials because not exactly the Olympics. Like, that would be so cool. But at the same time, there's so many talented swimmers out there. It's just a large competition that it's going to be tough. Yeah, which is which is an incredible goal. I mean, just, you know, just making trials is... I was talking to to another athlete who had qualified for trials and um, for the majority of athletes, that's like the pinnacle of swimming, right? Is getting to go to Olympic trials and just experience that. Were, were you at um, the trials in Omaha two years ago by chance? No, I wasn't. It's, uh, it, it is, it is such a unique meet and experience and I hope you get to experience the the 24 trials in some way and, and the 28 trials as well. But it, especially with being in a football field, I don't even know what to expect. And I've been to the last three versions of this meet, um, <laughs> as, as a spectator or as a, as a member of the press, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a wild meet and I would recommend any, any swimmer who is able to experience it. So that's really exciting for you. And then you're going to Notre Dame in, are you a junior in high school this year or a senior? I'm a senior. So you're good. You'll be at Notre Dame next fall, uh, which is first off, congratulations. And, and second you. off, what, what prompted Notre Dame? What made that the right decision for you? Well, first off, the coaches are amazing. You can talk to them. So it's like, 
they will listen and they're so easy to talk to. It's like they become your friends. You also respect them. They're really, they're amazing coaches. And I'm really excited to work with them and become faster. Um, and then the campus is beautiful. From the moment I stepped on campus, I was like, this is it. Like, it's beautiful. Everyone there welcomed me with open arms. Um, all the, my future teammates, they're so sweet. And I just felt at home there. Like, I went on multiple visits, whereas Notre Dame just, like, it just felt right. I, it's the feeling for some juniors right now that are recruiting. They might not understand, but if you've committed, like, you kind of know, like, that feeling is just, that's what I got from Notre Dame. That's incredible to hear. And uh, and I'm also just curious, what are you looking forward to most about just swimming in college and being a student athlete? Um, I'm looking forward to the experiences. It might be my last four years of swimming, so I'm hoping to make the most of it. Um, we'll see. I'm also um, excited. I'm in the ACC championship, and we just got Cal and Stanford and SMU to join us, which is going to be a great experience. I mean, that's more competition, and it's, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And it's going to be definitely intense and difficult, but I think it'll be great. Um, SMU is where my brother went. So it's, it'll be nice to see um, SMU maybe versus Notre Dame because they're in our conference now. But it'll be cool to see the two teams that I love go against each other. That is a very cool connection. I, I love how small the swimming space can be sometimes and, and how there are constant reminders that that we are one big community. <laughs> In, in a way such as my brother swam at SMU, I'm going to swim at Notre Dame, and now we're both in the ACC, which is yeah. which is really great. Uh, well, Carly, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and chat with us. It's It's been really great to, to hear your story and perspective on your swimming career and what's to come. Uh, any, any parting thoughts you'd like to share before we sign off today? I can't think of anything other than if you're a deaf athlete, just don't let anyone limit you. You go for what you want to go for. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well. 